This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show. You're listening to 640 Toronto, where we dive into the world of love, dating, and relationships. I'm Laura Bellata, your host, founder of Single in the City, joined by my real good friend, celebrity energy reader and healer, as well as an IFBB bikini pro, TV host and actress, Ms. Annie Parker. Welcome, Annie. Thank this you. Is your, Yay. I'm so excited to be back. Co-hosting with me. Yay. I know. <laughs> excited to be here. I'm usually asking her the questions, but today she's sitting in the same spot as moi. All right. Um, today's episode is going to be a thought-provoking and insightful one as we dive into different romantic orientations. Uh, we have a very special guest joining us, James Petrovic. He's the founder of Toronto Aceback, uh, non-binary. He's also a non-binary, uh, 20-year-old individual who identifies as asexual. James brings a unique perspective and personal journey to our discussion on asexuality. And today, we're going to be exploring the nuances of asexuality debunking misconceptions, and gaining a deeper understanding of what it means to identify as asexual. Well, thanks so much for being here with us today, James. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Now, asexuality is something that, okay, I'm not too familiar with. And when I mentioned it to Annie, uh, she's she's she wasn't too familiar with it either, right? Annie, you never heard of that term, asexual. I haven't. I've heard of sapiosexual, which is like being turned on with the mind, right? Which which I definitely identify with. But asexual, I was like, wait, I, I don't know that one. So I'm here to learn all about this. I'm, yeah, super pumped about this. Now, and I've, I've heard of the term before, I have, but I haven't really explored it too intensely. Uh, but today's conversation should be very interesting. Let's start off by explaining what it means to be asexual. Go ahead, James. So basically, asexual means little to no sexual attraction. One huge misconception that people believe is that asexual just means zero, none, sex repulse. But that's not the real case for a lot of people. I have some friends who are asexual who still have sex because they know that their partner enjoys it and they just enjoy the feeling and just being with a partner. It's kind of like a nice bonding time, but they don't directly feel sexually attracted to the events what's happening or just to their partner. So asexual individuals may still form deep emotional connections and have fulfilling relationships, but they're not based on sexual attraction. Is that correct? That's exactly it. So like some people may just go to a bar and be like, oh my God, that guy's hot. Like I'd go down the dirty with that. For sexual people, it's not really like that. It's like, oh, I just don't, that guy's cute, but I don't really envision anything sexually appealing happening. <laughs> this is so interesting. Okay, let's take a look at James's personal journey and discovery of identifying as asexual. Can you share some of your personal journey and discovery of identifying as asexual? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, when I was a kid, like around five or so years old, my mom would always asked me like, hey, when are you going to have kids? What's kids? So and so and so. Wait, and at every- five years old, your mother was asking you that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying five. It could be older. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, she'd ask me that. And I was always like, no, not having kids. And even growing up, and I'm 20 now, like even now, I'm like, no, like, that's just not for me and some people think that just because you're asexual you can't date people that's actually 
wrong from <laughs> in most cases. I know for me, I had two partners in the past and just just when I'm dating, just knowing that like, oh, because of course, when you grow up, it's like, okay, you grow up, meet someone, um, get together, have kids, and just, you know, the white picket fences. For me, I was always anxious about the sexual part. Like, it's not something that I look forward to that I enjoy. Like for my first relationship, it was something that I thought I had to do because, you know, that's the strict, that's the layout that everyone goes through. And for me, it wasn't, it wasn't for, it wasn't really fun for me at all. It was more like, oh, I gotta do the dishes, gotta do this, gotta do, <laughs> gotta do sexual stuff. So it took me definitely a while to realize why I felt like that. And even now, it can be a bit hard just accepting that that's not something I want or I'm attracted to. It's like this faraway dream. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because you refer back to when you were five. And I remember when I was five, I was literally chasing the boys down in the yard. <laughs> I was boy crazy at the age of five. Annie, I, were you boy crazy at that age? I mean, I wasn't boy crazy until like probably 11-ish. <laughs> I think I'm a little late bloomer, but I am a Scorpio. So definitely, you know, sexual attraction is high on the meter here. So it's, this is, yeah, this is crazy. I thank you so much, James, for breaking that down for us. Can you explain, James, um, the differences between sexual and romantic attraction? Like in your eyes. For me, sexual and romantic attraction is one of the four attractions. There's sexual, romantic, of course, we just talked about that. And there is also platonic and aesthetic attraction. The main two we'll talk about is basically sexual attraction is when you... It's a bit hard for me to say because I don't really experience that from what... But from what I've heard about allosexual people, which is people who do have sexual attraction, is that... You'd see you'd see someone. It's like, damn, they are hot. I would like to have sex with them because they are hot. For me, that's a very foreign concept <laughs> to me. It's very alien talk. And for romantic attraction is more wanting to do like hold hands, kiss, cuddle in a romantic way. And of course, it depends on the person what romance is like for some people romance is strictly kissing but they'll go and hug cuddle hold their friend's hands because to those people that's not romantic it's just showing another way of being like hey you're someone very close to me i like you in a platonic way and this is how i show my affection for you but i i realized to myself and i always have growing up that i was when i first encounter someone that I'm attracted to it's never in a sexual way it's always more in a romantic way I never viewed someone when I first meet them and think oh I want to you know I can't wait to for them to get in my pants or <laughs> I'm not I I don't look at it that way I don't know Annie do you like does that what do you think no I, I've I no, I, that's not generally the first thing I think of when I see someone, even if I think someone's really attractive, um, but I consider myself more of a romantic, but also, and we can get into this later, like, I'm really curious about, like, I know when my hormones have been off, then I definitely feel a bit of lack of 
being sexual, you know what I mean? So I wonder if that plays anything into it too, or anything else, or if it's just, James, did you say like, it's literally just always been this way? I mean, from what I can tell, that's just how it, that's just how I am. It's just the person I am and just how I experience life. So yeah. Yeah, that's so fascinating. Thank you for that. Well, they do say asexuality is a valid sexual orientation, just like any other orientation, such as heterosexual, homosexual, or bisexual. So, um, but have you ever had your hormones checked? <laughs> just just in case? I mean, uh, two fun facts. It wasn't until, I believe, 2013 that asexuality was no longer classified as a mental illness. So, fun little fact of the day. And also for me, I am uh, a genderqueer person. I have been on like testosterone, which fun fact, testosterone definitely does boost your libido. And uh, for me, when I had my uh, testosterone patches on, they gave me too much of a high a high amount. So of course my levels were too high, aka libido was too high. But for me, like if I just walked around, it just did something to just distract my mind. Like I'll just be fine. Yeah. All right. Stay tuned, guys. We need to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to debunk common misconceptions about asexuality right after the break. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. It's Sunday night. You're listening to 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata, along with my friend, <laughs> Annie Parker, with James Petrovic as our guest, continuing our discussion on asexuality and how this affects relationships. Yeah, James, before we went to the break, you were mentioning that uh, you had tried or had the testosterone patch before. Um, can you remind me what what changes did you feel from that, if any, or or it didn't change anything at all? For me, it was definitely just in general, testosterone increases your libido, which is just your sex drive. So when I was on testosterone, when I first started out, my doctor gave me a too high of a dose. So my testosterone was higher than uh normal which was very interesting but uh, yeah other than just the high libido which made me definitely a bit uncomfortable as an asexual person i started just to wean off of that a little bit and here i am now that's so interesting and then so obviously being asexual are you actively dating along with being asexual fun fact i am how the kids say triple A. <laughs> I'm asexual and aromantic, which means little to no romantic attraction. Okay, that's yeah. so interesting. And I, I heard earlier that you are the founder of Toronto Aspec. Can you explain what that is for us? Oh yeah, of course. So basically we live in more or less a very sex driven, not sex driven, but a very sex promotive society whereas in tv shows ads like i know like if you go to like any car commercial it's like oh look at this sleek car she's fast she's furious and just very sexualizing things so it's definitely hard just to go out and just enjoy life with the constant reminder of like hey 
this is something that other people enjoy that I don't enjoy. And it's just that whole thing of the internal battle of being like, why don't I enjoy this? Why can't I enjoy this? So the reason why I made Toronto A-Spec is to just give a nice, safe, sound place for people along the asexual or aromantic spectrum to be just to talk about issues that we struggle with. How common is asexuality? Because it's it's not something, it's not very common. It's not something that a lot of people have actually heard of. Yeah, asexually, asexuality and aromanticism is definitely a small population of society. I want to say more or less maybe 1% of the population does have it. Not has it, but are asexual or aromantic. So it's very, very small. Yeah. Now, James, are there any challenges or difficulties that you faced in navigating your asexuality, uh, either in terms of self-acceptance or in social context? Oh, 100%. My biggest battle is just self-accepting and just being okay with not being like other people. Because again, a lot of the time it's like, oh, hey, again, you're a kid, grew up, supposed to meet someone, have kids, and just that whole shebang. But I just don't have that interest or want. So when I'm hanging with my friends and they're talking about like, oh, hey, I met this super cute girl, we're going on a few dates, or oh, hey, wow. Um, just talking about that makes me feel very alienated and makes me keep wondering why I why I don't feel these things, why this is something that I just don't enjoy. It's like going around and like, no matter where you go, people are like, oh my goodness, peanuts are like the most amazing things in the world. Like, have you had peanuts? Oh my gosh. And you're sitting here like, um, they're, they're okay. Like, I don't know what the big hype is about that. <laughs> but yeah, along with that, just having friendships, just watching. Because for me, friendship is just the most val valuable thing to me. I love my friends. They just mean the world. So it can get a bit hard when I see my friends in a relationship and having our quality of time or just having our time together just slowly go away. I can see where that would be tough. Thankfully for me, I have friends like Laura that I just become BFFs with her boyfriend too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. um, James, can you discuss the importance of visibility and representation for asexual individuals in mainstream media and society? I think the first asexual character I've ever known was in Bojack Horseman, this character called Todd. And I think he was more or less the first time I ever heard of asexuality in just the mainstream media. I know in the Archie comics, Jughead is canonically asexual and I believe aromantic, but in the new Riverdale show, they completely just tanked his sexuality. And now I believe he's just um, aromantic, uh, sorry, alloromantic and allosexual, which definitely did take it did hurt a bit for the community because already there's so little representation we're just having one getting taken away it's like oh it, it feels more like an erasure of asexual and aromantic history and you know i i think that visibility and representation for asexual individuals like yourself in mainstream media and society are really important they're important uh, for awareness, for validation. And this is why I wanted to have you on the show today was to create awareness because it's not something that a lot of people are aware of or it's not something that we 
typically talk about. I think there was one individual. I was, I've been waiting for an individual like you to be on the show, to be honest. <laughs> there was one individual that I know of, um, and he's in media as well, and he's asexual. And I, I wanted to interview him really badly a while ago, but um, he didn't return my emails. <laughs> You're the second best thing. <laughs> So I'm really happy that you were able to be part of the show today. Are there any resources or communities other than the one that you have, um, is Toronto ASPEC, uh, or supportive networks that have been particularly helpful for you on your journey as an asexual person? I know before I started the group, actually the reason why I started the group is because I couldn't find a good support network for people like me. I tried... I'm not going to name names, but I tried some other just queer support groups. And because the queer community is so focused on who the people we love, it's just, it's all about a specific kind of love. And when you don't necessarily fit that mold, it's very isolating. Like, again, I remember one time I went to this one queer support group. It was like, hey, talk about my aromantic and just asexual experiences. And it felt disheartening because no one could relate. I couldn't get really any help at all they just kind of pushed it felt like they pushed my issues to the side because again asexuality is not that well known among just other people so definitely um again uh toronto ace sorry <laughs> toronto acepec is definitely a place where people of all asexuality and all aromanticism can just come join and hopefully we can just help you feel less alone and just because we're on that topic right now, where can people learn more about uh, Toronto ASPEC? We have a Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, of course, a Discord. If you just look up Toronto underscore ASPEC on Instagram and all those other sites I mentioned, you'll be able to find us. Beautiful. James, I, I love that you've created this. I think it's so important. And you know, I'm wondering how do you handle discussions about asexuality with others who may not be familiar with or understand the concept, like myself and Laura sometimes. <laughs> you're, you're handling it very well right now, but I mean, in the general day to day, um, sometimes even if you're not expecting it, you know, how do you go about handling that? I mean, it's all about just being open to questions and knowing that sometimes people have the best interest but the wording slash phrasing isn't necessarily the best you're just keeping an open mind and just trying to make them understand the point you're coming from like no for example I told one of my relatives they were like oh how how come you don't experience this like how come you don't feel this and I said oh, okay just my aunt's straight and she and I was like okay just imagine yourself um, liking a girl like the way like a man she's like oh I can't do that because I I don't like girls like exactly that's the same thing with me I just don't experience that kind of attraction with anybody now there are okay so you can have a, um, a healthy relationship without having sex if both partners are on the same page it's it's actually it's doable okay I mean you can actually have a relationship um, well, two people can have a relationship and not be sexually attracted to each other. As long as you're compatible, it is possible, right? So are you ever attracted to people um, and get excited about people 
maybe their personality rather than sexually? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, I have one friend um, who I guess it would be, it would be a crush, but again, I don't really find them attractive <laughs> in any way. It's more or less how I feel around them and just their friendship and just what they mean to me. So 100%. And I know, as I said before, like, I love my friends. One of my friends, Joy, I just love her to death. And I feel that how some people say, like, oh, friendships are a bit less valued than romantic interest. I definitely get a bit hurt by that because, again, like, I love my friend Joy. She means the world to me. And in a very aloromantic way, which basically means people who do experience romantic attraction, like, I call her my girlfriend, I call her my wife, because I do love her in the way that someone would love their significant other. But I'm just not attracted to her in any way, just 100% platonic. Well, relationships, I find, tend to become more like a friendship, you know, the longer you are with someone. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people do lose sexual attraction towards their partner. I mean, we see this all the time. It's not uncommon uh, for that initial passion and sexual intensity to you know transition into more like a companion or friendship like dynamic before we move forward let's take a brief commercial break stay tuned as we continue our conversation on asexuality and delve into the importance of visibility for asexual individuals stay with us Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Bellotta, joined by Ms. Annie Parker this evening and our special guest, James Petrovic, continuing our insightful discussion on asexuality. James, this has been so good, and I'm really curious you're asexual and aromantic. Do you feel any kind of attraction or love beyond just friendship? I know for me in the aromantic community, we call we have something called a squish, which is just which is just a crush, but without the romantic interest. And we also have along those lines, we have something called a queer platonic relationship, which, as the name more or less says, is just a platonic relationship where it's more or less friends, but friends plus friends deluxe however you want to say it where you may see two people two or more people in a relationship doing things that people might do in just a regular relationship hold hands kiss just it's just a person that you absolutely adore and just want to have in your life sounds like a long-term marriage to me <laughs> it can actually become that i read this one article where this I believe there's this uh, aromantic person uh, married their wife because even though that the aromantic person didn't really feel romantic attraction, uh, their wife was just someone so important to them and they just wanted to show it in a way that was very important to their wife as well. 
James, what advice would you give to someone who is questioning their own sexuality or exploring their asexual identity? Honestly, I think the best advice I can give is just take your time and labels do change. I know for myself, I've, I went through a few labels <laughs> in the past. So it's just okay to change if one day you're, you're like, oh, I believe I'm bisexual. And then a week later, I'm like, maybe I'm actually asexual or a lesbian or just how we find you. Just taking your time and just do your research. So you have a better understanding about who you are and what label you might gravitate towards too. I love that advice. Um, and what are some common misconceptions or stereotypes about asexuality, aromanticism that you would like to debunk? Uh, definitely one is that ace people or aromantic people don't have emotions. Because <laughs> there are a lot of stereotypes where an asexual aromantic coded character is either just a robot, an alien, a cold-hearted killer, or just someone not so nice. Like I know, for example, in a lot of, for example, Disney movies, the main characters find someone, gets together, and everything gets like all happy and lucky. But the villain, oh, I'm thinking of Tangle for some reason, but the main villain in Tangle, you know, she doesn't love anyone. She's just using Rapunzel for selfish reasons. So definitely that people who are aromantic or asexual do have feelings. They're able to feel love, but maybe not the love that you're thinking of. Oh, boo. I don't like that. Yeah. That doesn't sound good. Like a robot? Like that's just <laughs> weird to me. <laughs> that's like interesting. Right? Oh, my goodness. Um, and it's not just a phase. I'm, I'm assuming that people may think that, oh, asexuality, uh, they're just going through a phase, you know, um, mm -hmm. you get that a lot. Oh, 100%. That actually reminds me another stereotype or I guess a cliche that people also think of when it comes to aspect people is that they're very childish or just immature because, as I said before, like, oh, you just have to find the right person. You're like, oh, you'll settle, you'll find someone eventually. It's just talking down in my way where it's like, oh, I know better. I know you better than you know yourself because I'm or like because I have a partner because I'm older and just not accepting the fact that, hey, this person just doesn't want to have sex or just doesn't want or need a relationship in their lives. How often have you gotten, oh, you're just being a prude. <laughs> you're just repressed. Get over it. I'm very thankful because a lot of people, more or less everyone in my life is super supportive of just who I am as a person. All my friends are queer. So they definitely, they definitely get what's going on and what's happening. But I know sometimes older people, like my dad, for example, doesn't really understand or wrap his head around it. He, he's asked like, oh, so when are you going to get like a partner? Like, oh, when are we going to meet like a boyfriend or girlfriend? I'm like, ah, oh, never. <laughs> That's not my cup of tea. So do the, 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 the closest people around you, do they struggle with the fact that you're asexual um, and then maybe they struggle with trying to understand and accept what asexuality means um, and they're thinking, okay, no, you know, yeah, figure it out. Like you got to find a way to be sexually attracted to somebody <laughs> so that you can get married one day. 
I mean, other than like so before, other than just like the older generation, like my parents, my aunt, everyone around my life is super knowledgeable. Because again, a lot of I have other friends who are like asexual and they're romantic. They definitely do understand, and that's something that I absolutely adore because I can feel that I can just be myself around them. Because I am very out about my sexuality and my romantic side of myself. And it's just so nice because I can just hug my friends and call my friends. I even kiss my friends. And I know that no matter what, they know that's not in a romantic or sexual way. They know it's just, that's how I show I love my friends. That's how I show that I appreciate you. Yeah, that, that's amazing. Do you have any personal stories uh, of things that you've experienced as an aspect? Like anything you'd want to share with someone that may be kind of going through the, th the same thing or or kind of wondering, you know, if they should label themselves or what they might be experiencing? One book, which I absolutely adore, who gets asexual and aromanticism right, is Loveless. I forget the author, but they wrote the... Can we say that again? Is it Loveless? Loveless. Loveless, okay. Yeah, the author, I forget their name, but they wrote Heartstoppers, which is very big, so <laughs> you can definitely okay. find some of her work. But definitely a good tip or just advice with anyone who is under the asexual or aromantic umbrella is just take your time and don't push yourself to do things that you don't want to do. I know for myself, I can't speak about other people, but for my own experiences, I just a lot of internalized aphobia where it's, oh, maybe if I do X, like, I'll be quote unquote normal, like, oh, maybe if I do Y, like, maybe if I do, if I just change myself and do things that it'll fix me in a snap. But I know that doesn't work. It just does damage in the long run. So just really learning just to accept yourself and just learning to be okay with who you are. You know, James, I know that everybody's, ex you know, experience or sexual desire um, or experience with sexual desire is different. But do you ever get horny or <laughs> those tingly <laughs> feelings? Honestly, no. Either <laughs> okay. If I did, like, I'll just walk around and I'll be fine. But <laughs> I do. Have oh, but wait a fun. second. Wait a second. You mm -hmm. said if I did or if I do, I just walk around and I'll be fine. What does that mean? Oh, like I just stand up. Do you and just associate walk. those feelings with something bad or negative? Oh, no. It's just, again, I don't really, uh, as I said before, when I was on testosterone patches, my libido was super high. So I slowly just started going off of tea. And when, just in case my libido was high, just, you know, walk around. Cause I just found that feeling as a like, very nuisance. It's like, oh, I just can't focus on my work right now. Like, oh, I'm working on my TV show, but this nagging feeling to just go up, walk around, exercise, just get my body moving. And I'm like, sweet, have a snack. <laughs> but maybe that's your body telling you that you want to have sex. I don't think so. Cause there's other factors. I mean, I want some juicy stories here, James. <laughs> I know we have to go to break in a minute, but that's why I, I'm, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> we can get a little juicy, James. Okay, good. Okay, I wasn't sure exactly <laughs> what I can or cannot say. But you know what? Well, listen, listen, listen. Before we get very juicy, <laughs> we're going to take one last quick break. But don't go anywhere because we're talking about asexuality and James is just about to get juicy. So stay with us.
listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News. Today's Talk, 640 Toronto. You're listening to 640 Toronto, the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Bellata with Ms. Annie Parker, joined by James Petrovic, an individual who refers to himself as asexual, uh, continuing our insightful discussion on asexuality tonight. All right. You were teasing us before the break with some juiciness. So give us the juice. Uh, so again, I'm not, I'm no doctor. I can only talk about my own personal experience and very little lack thereof medical knowledge, but just for me, like, I just don't get aroused if like, there's no, oh, <laughs> like, there's no, like, this may sound a bit vulgar, but like, there's no like wetness at all. Like, my body just but what about when you were taking testosterone again it's just like have to either just very work like just to work up the even the i don't want to say courage but just work up the okay i just gotta do this just to handle the annoying feeling like just my body like just the hormones itself the billy beetle pumping pumping like gotta go gotta go gotta go but just the body knows that like hey this is something very interesting is happening <laughs> but it's like inter- some- it's funny it's funny how you interpret that as an annoying feeling where most people would interpret that as a great feeling like oh yeah i need more of this <laughs> <laughs> nah, same thing with me and just like crushing it's like oh this is just an annoying feeling can't get my stuff done it's like uh it's like an <laughs> It's like someone's poking you with a stick, but there's no one. But every time you turn around, the person's gone to your other side. So it's like, oh, where are you? Like, just just leave me alone already. All right, James. So this is amazing. I want to get a little juicier. So what about any past relationships that you've had so far? What has that been like? I can talk about my first relationship because that was definitely... Uh, very think about it now. It's very in your face. Like, hey, you're asexual. You're romantic. What's what's happening? Where a brief history when I first my first relationship, I have a very I think I would have a pretty bad cue of what is romantic and what is not romantic. So before I was dating uh, my partner at the time, you know, we're flirting back and forth. But I thought I was like, oh, you know, some like nice fake flirting, just some ha ha he he's. And then my friend was like, hey, why don't you guys, you know, date? you obviously like each other. So I was like, oh, I I guess we do. Cause I guess, I guess we weren't, I guess it wasn't a joke with the whole flirting thing. So when I got into my relationship, one thing that definitely, definitely made me feel a bit worried was the actual sexual part of it. I know for myself, I just don't really like just genitals at all just really anything to do with nudity or anything really sexual <laughs> so that was definitely something i was panicking in a way about which like oh i have to get this like i have to do this like that's just people in the relationship do and that happened of course after a while i was like okay i don't really need to do this like i'm fine without it and i was very happy because my partner at the time was super understanding and they they understood where coming from that this isn't something that I really wanted or liked doing. And I know I can speak about uh, another relationship, not a relationship, but on a date I was having with someone where again, I was pretty deep in the closet of just finally realizing that I was aromantic. It was 
the perfect date, as some would say. You know, we walked around the park, we had a cute picnic. They were a bit emo edgy, so we had it in a cemetery, which was very nice. I'm not going to lie. My, I might start hanging out at cemeteries just for fun. <laughs> but yeah, it was super nice. So, you were, so basically, you take one for the team a lot, or you did in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's something that... That's never fun. Yeah, it's never fun. And it's all about just talking about... about boundaries and just i'm getting the word but uh compromise compromising yeah just compromising because that's one thing i learned just is not really acceptable just as a form of love for yourself and just respect for yourself is mm-hmm. hey something that you don't want to do and i know a lot of times like compromising with your partner i've seen online it's like oh we'll just have sex like once a week or just so and so and so like that but if you but for an asexual person why should we do the majority of this not i don't say sacrificing but the compromisations again i can't speak for other one else experience but i would say i'm sex positive which like yo good for sex you do you but for myself i'm like i'm a step back step away I, i just don't know if you can really compromise when it comes to sex because most people want to have sex so i sex so i think for you it's finding another individual that is on the same page as you right because mm-hmm. otherwise i feel like you would be getting into relationships or a relationship with another person and then having to compromise I don't know, sex for someone like, would you ever do that? Would you ever compromise sex for someone who you feel is ideal? Someone who you feel would be a great partner? Honestly, for me, I don't think I will. It's for me, sex is just very, uh, not very uncomfortable for me. It's not something I look forward to or want to do. And I know last week uh, you had a guest on about polyamory. So going back and talk about that, if I would, if I was ever in a relationship and my partner did want to have sex, and of course I'll be like, hey, no sex, no touching. That's not my style. I know for myself, this cannot work in other people's position. But again, to speak for myself, I would be like, hey, you could just go, <laughs> you could f- whoever you want. Like I don't really care if you can get your fix. Good for you. Yeah. Well, I don't think we can say the f word, but okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> James, intimacy, when we think about intimacy, that takes on many forms, right? And and for some people that includes sex, others, obviously it doesn't. So what does connecting with another person and intimacy look like in your partnerships? Like, especially, you know, take away feeling peer pressured or pressured to do anything you're not comfortable with in your perfect world. What would intimacy be like for you? Honestly, for me, one thing I definitely do preach a lot is that nothing is inherently romantic. The only way something is romantic if both people or just everyone involved agrees that it is romantic. Because I know I had friendships with people who ended because the whole thing is like, oh, wow, you guys dating? And like, oh, opposite sex. Like, oh, wow, you're holding hands. And that made both of us feel pretty uncomfortable so we definitely did stop communicating with each other as much so I guess for me the perfect kind of connection and intimacy is just being able to express your love and just admiration for other people without specifically putting in the 
romantic or it being automatically sexual and just being able to do things that you love and show people that you care and love about them in a way without, again, without any labels. Oh, we love that. Don't we, Annie? We really do. Thank you so much for all of this. Yeah, no James, thank you so much. I mean, you sound quite mature and really wise for a 20 year old. And we really appreciate your openness and willingness to share your personal journey. Um, and if you guys are listening, we hope that, you know, today's episode has provided you with valuable insights and a better understanding of asexuality. So where can people get a hold of you? Uh, if they want to join Toronto ASPEC, where can they get a hold of you, James? If you go on Instagram and look up Toronto underscore ASPEC, that's A-S-P-E-C, you should find us and we host weekly and monthly events. I know we just had a picnic and next month we're hoping to have a nice potluck get together. I love it. And Annie, where can we get a hold of you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and anywhere else at Ms. Annie Parker. Um, that's M-S Annie Parker. Yes. And you can get a hold of me, official Laura Bellotta, TikTok, Instagram. Check us out, singleinthecity.ca. If you are single, looking for love in the city of Toronto and the outskirts, of course. And thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Dating and Relationship Show. Until next week. <laughs>